Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Pascal Day, Astrid Carter, and Rosie Cherrington. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I feel like it was very lackluster <laughs> for a Monday morning. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Let's talk about TV. I know I've got loads to talk about from this weekend. Charlotte's going to ruin my life right now because I haven't seen The Bodyguard. I feel like you had a responsibility <laughs> to watch The Bodyguard. I did. I can take no... I'm going to play my flatmate for this because she was watching The X Factor. Oh, for God's sake. You can't watch The X Factor Bodyguard. I know, I know. <laughs> Sad. Okay, well, anyway, I am going to ruin Bodyguard. So, spoiler alert for people who haven't watched it. It was obviously the final episode. I was like, am I the only one here who's seen it? I've seen everything. I've not watched it. I haven't seen any of it. This one. I really was hoping for more of a lively discussion about this. I guess I'll just talk <laughs> to myself about it. I found it really disappointing. The feedback on BBC Breakfast this morning was really positive. That's because it was on BBC Breakfast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw yeah, Twitter was. reactions. People did seem disappointed, but they did praise the main character, whose name I have forgotten, for seeking help for his PTSD. Well, yeah, that was obviously a really good ending. A lot of dramas been criticised in the past for kind of brushing over the fact that a lot of these people their issues are stemming from the fact that they have PTSD or mental health issues so obviously a really positive message at the end that I think he's it was, sought therapy. I think it was Bryony Gordon she said it's maybe the first time mainstream British drama has actually mm. featured a main character getting help who's I'm a man. Su- I think I was about issues. to say I think particularly a yeah. man. Yeah. Well that is obviously a really positive message but that was kind of a one second thing at the end of 75 minutes of drama. I just really felt like there were so many twists and turns throughout the series as you know and the end just like didn't rock my world enough like there was obviously a twist but the person kind of who'd done it wasn't really that exciting or as dramatic as it should have been no one died died, but you just kind of found out who was behind it all but it wasn't anyone very interesting was it that woman like the really posh one that he met for coffee with at the end of the oh yeah so she's like the plant the guy that picks her up is him but he's (laughs) been in it for like five minutes he's so like he's literally not even in it he's her Uber driver exactly he's literally her driver and in the final episode it's like oh by the way he's a criminal and oh by the way he's responsible for all of this needed more yeah it needed more of like a big deep twist I think an interesting twist would have been him actually being a bad guy like you know season one of Homeland when Damien was face turned out to be like you didn't know the whole way through if he was good or bad this show set it up like that as if you didn't know if he was going to be good or bad but then it just turned out that he was good and that was just really boring well the action happened too quick yes yeah so the uber guy not the uber guy but whatever he is you only found that out last night yes so he he picks up this girl in in the first what 10 minutes in the first episode only because i watched gogglebox and they were watching the (laughs) the one before the final okay for the penalty of it they alluded to this driver man because he drops her off because it was weird it was really weird that this girl kept being picked up in like a Range Rover when she was like an assistant so everybody flagged that he was like a shady character but he didn't have a name until last episode see I don't even watch The Bodyguard but I watched Gogglebox and I was like oh it must be him so you could have just watched Gogglebox and found out also they did this really annoying thing where you know when a show shows you like what happened previously before Mm. but they choose only elements that you would never have focused on but they kind of are the clues for what's going to happen so like there was one thing we were all going to find out where something was hidden 
but they showed in the previously behind the on picture frame. yeah behind the picture frame yeah you've literally Sorry, seen the series <laughs> okay but they focused like on the picture frame in the previously on whereas that picture frame was like an incidental camera shot uh, in the episode yeah, okay, so it's just right, like well yeah. I now know where it is without even watching the episode so it really annoyed me I'm what? just sad I've got Richard Mudden shaped all in my life now. Yeah. I never fancied him before in Game of Thrones I was like don't care mm. now obsessed he was a bit annoying in this, I thought. I think he's an amazing actor, yeah. but I'm not that into the character. It's just the accent. When I not saw everyone like it. tweet, I remember seeing people tweeting about how gory it was. And I thought we were talking about the bodyguard with Whitney Houston. <laughs> and I was like, I don't remember any explosions and like people dying in that. I was like, maybe I need to watch it again. Benzo, Benzo to me yesterday, he was reading something. He looked up, he's like, Alexandra Burke's not in the bodyguard. <laughs> she was like, I think she's in the bodyguard in the West End. But this is, bo- it's not actually the bodyguard. This it's is just bodyguard. It's just bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going anyway, I agree with you. I think it's very sad to say that it was a good six week run, five week one. What else have we been watching? Killing Eve. I still haven't watched yeah, it. Yeah, I still haven't watched it, but everyone says it's really good. Yeah, I was expecting it to be like Bodyguard, and it was different. And at first, I was quite disappointed. <laughs> In what way? What? Where's Richard Madden? <laughs> <laughs> but then I actually got really into it, and it is very stylized. I really liked it. I definitely would watch it. It's funny, right? Yeah, it's kind of a dark comedy. It's, it's quite gory. Because it's from the writer of Fleabag. Yeah, I watched Fleabag. I'm really surprised. Yeah. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. That's mm-hmm. who she was. You wouldn't yeah. expect her to go move into kind of like crime thriller. Anyway, so Killing Eve is good. Good. Great cast, it. right? Great cast. So Jodie Cromer is so good in it. I mean, she was quite good in Dr. Foster, but this, mm. she like really comes into her own. She's this kind of psychopathic hit woman. Really I loved good. her in 13. I Me she was too. Great no that. one talks about 13. No. About Dr. Foster. It was quite under the radar, wasn't yeah, it? I, I think it was on BBC it. Three or it something. Was so, 13 was far superior oh, to Dr. Foster, in my opinion. So she played a girl who had been kidnapped age 13 like age 13 and then like escaped age 21 and about like her trying to kind of reassimilate and it, what's it called Stockholm Syndrome yeah 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 oh, yeah she was like a bit obsessed Ooh. with her capture yeah it was so good like so she was amazing in that wasn't she she was incredible yeah I think it's what's really lovely about all of these dramas that are coming out there's another one coming up soon with Jenna Coleman which I think is like replacing the bodyguard and oh, it's yeah. all these great young actors and actresses that the BBC are giving like a real voice to so people like Jenny Cromer Richard Madden people who you know often they can be brushed aside as TV actors or actresses but actually BBC is kind of giving them a real platform as actors and actresses I feel like we're going to see pretty great things from that set yeah the BBC is definitely giving like Netflix and Amazon Prime a run for its yeah, money yeah they really are anyway Strictly's back I feel like I've got the wrong audience I need Lou and Georgie here to be really reveling in this I'm guessing none of you watched it no, no. <sighs> okay well I'll wait for next week but anyway great stuff who are you rating I'm not watching it but I'm rooting for Stacey Dooley because I love oh yeah her. Stacey Dooley's great oh yeah, okay, yeah there's this guy his name is Charles Venn I don't know if you know who he is he is the hottest man I have ever seen what? in my entire oh, life. God, he is him. sensational. Like, he makes Idris Elba look ugly. Like, I literally can't even begin to explain how good looking this guy is. And obviously he can move as well. And I mean, he's just like, that's it, I'm obsessed. Completely in love. I'm going to petition to get him in here because he's amazing. So that's who I'm rooting for. Okay. Charles Venn. Can we get Richard Madden in too? Sorry, Can we I'm just sure make a list of people we fancy? Lock them in here. Let's try that. <laughs> <laughs> Never leave it. And um, has anyone watched anything else? There's one thing I watched on Netflix this weekend that apparently you should not watch with your partners. It's called Jigsaw. It's this new comedy special by this Scottish comedian called Daniel Sloss. It has ended, I think the tally now since it aired last week is five and a half thousand breakups. What? Maybe what? like 20 divorces and 
than 30 cancelled engagements. Why? I mean, it's actually hilarious. Like, he is an up-and-coming comedian who then got these Netflix specials. And this segment, I mean, he calls it a love letter to single people rather than him purposely trying to destroy people's relationships. Okay. And he says, you know, if you are in love genuinely and you have a good relationship, it's not going to ruin it. But what does he say? Like, what does I he mean, talk about that ruins relationships? I can't do it because I'm not a world-famous comedian. <laughs> but watch it. He basically says that a lot of people get into relationships for the wrong reasons. Right. But so eloquently, and he kind of tells it in this story way, and it's crazy. Is it funny? He's really, really funny, but then he also has some home truths. Yeah. But yeah, apparently a lot of people have. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Watch it alone. We'll do. So I actually went to the cinema, which I never do this weekend, to see Crazy Rich Asians. I actually only go to the cinema to watch crap. I don't know why. Wasn't it mm. you that said that you hadn't been to the cinema in like two years? Yeah, I literally <laughs> don't know when I last went. But anyway, here I was, <laughs> £17 later, watching Crazy Rich Asians. But it is really fun. I thought it was going to be more like rich porn than it was. Like You know when you watch Gossip Girl and you're like, wow, the outfits, the houses, the handbags. It wasn't really like that. It was much more about like the human relationships and that was kind of a byproduct, which I think is a good thing because otherwise it would have felt more vacuous than it actually was it was quite a lot about relationships and mothers and controlling families and that kind of thing but by no means is it like an intelligent piece of cinema <laughs> but you know, after a bit of light relief it's quite fun I had a similar experience I went to see A Simple Favour which is Blake Lively's latest film speaking of Gossip Girl oh, it's one with Anna Kendrick yes I mean again not a fine piece of cinema but also same guy in it yeah he really? is yeah. wait who's a, the oh, the main yeah. oh you're right he is yeah. in both. Yeah. He's hot. He's yeah. Blake Lively's husband. Oh, cool. So it's kind of like what's been hailed as Gossip Girl meets Gun the Train, but it actually is more like Desperate Housewives <laughs> with Blake Lively. So okay. if you... That sounds better to me. Yeah, me too. I'm it is. That. It's a bit campy. It's funny. It's like a dark comedy thriller. Okay. Yeah, not the best piece of cinema, but it is entertaining. I cannot stand Blake Lively. Can you me not? Either. I find her The Serena thing. She's actually quite funny in this. I feel like, you know, in every role, she kind of plays the same person but yeah. this like she has quite good comedic timing I think Okay, I feel like that about Anna Kendrick I'm like come on play against type like she's always playing the same person yeah, she does she yeah. does kind of play the same person yeah. so I do like that character yeah I mean she does do it well she does Yeah, and like, I feel like that's just her because she's like that in interviews as well yeah yeah I just love Pitch Perfect. Yeah, me too. Yeah, she's great. You've never seen Pitch Perfect? No, I don't know how. It's one of those things, you know, when it's been too long to watch it. No, it has not been too long. <laughs> watch it. Are you serious? Is it actually funny? It is so good. Okay. Don't watch the third one, but the first and second oh, yeah. are genuinely so funny. One. Is it like Bridesmaids level of funny? Oh, it's not as good as Bridesmaids. No. It's, oh, not, yeah. it's not quite as good as Bridesmaids, but it's up there. It's up there because the director of Bridesmaids directed A Simple Favour. Oh, so, wow. so is it actually a comedy then? Yeah, a dark comedy. Okay. Oh, because it looks more like it's not a murder it looks yeah though it's like oh, to me it looks it quite is. fluffy because it's like yeah. quite saturated and like yeah of that. Mm-hmm. I mean it's not as funny as Bridesmaids I did find Desperate Housewives quite funny like back yeah, in the day it's like that kind of vibe okay just on Desperate Housewives do you remember when Carlos went blind and then all of a sudden he wasn't blind anymore <laughs> <laughs> That show was so bad. It's so good. Like, so many shows are not meant to be binged, and when you watch them then in such quick succession, you're like, what the hell? This makes no sense. Like, Desperate Housewives is definitely one of those. Those poor five women suffered a lot. They went through a lot. (laughs) They really did. This next topic feels pretty apt. We're going to talk about hangovers and how to kick them. We have talked about this on the podcast before, but everybody offers a slightly new perspective on how to kick that dreaded hangover. 
Pascal, you said you were suffering a bit this weekend. Yes, and I have a hangover cure. I think it probably only works on myself, but I always have a little cry. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm hungover, I try everything to cure it, but until I've had a cry, then I feel better and I feel like I've got it out of my system and I can continue with my day and go Do you get, like, worked up about stuff because you're hungover or do you have to just, like, watch a sad movie? No, just just thinking about things, yeah. Why is it you're crying, do you think? One time I cried because... Someone showed me a picture of a cat. (laughs) (laughs) I also really want to get in like a pool when I'm hungover. I just feel like jumping into a pool would be so nice, but I'm never near a pool. And I'm always like, I just want to be in a swimming pool. And that's quite often where it stems from. (laughs) So it's a pretty traumatic life you lead, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I live a very hell of life. Rosie, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Any tips for kicking a hangover? One of the tips in this piece I really swear by, which is little sachets of diorolite mm-hmm. and a Bloody Mary. Mine is actually similar. I like a chocolate milk when I'm hungover. Someone actually yeah. told me that it's basically the most effective thing at kicking a hangover because it's like incredibly hydrating and also gives you that like sugar and carb. Kick. It's just milk. Yeah. Like, and, but, and there's something milk. in like milk that it's like really comforting. Like I think it sends some kind of signal yeah, to your brain. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah, it. I love a chocolate milk. Me too. Yeah, so Ash, good. what about you? Any other tips? Sleeping, I think. Mm. Even oh, if yeah, you get eight sleep. hours, like you're not really sleeping, are you? I so just really have a little snooze. Sleep, if I'm drunk. Have a snooze, get up, have your chocolate milk, and then actually just get out and get on with it. If you like mm. wallow in it, it's way yeah, worse. Yeah, that's, that's true. A bit of fresh air. Yeah, go for a walk or something, and then mm. you can come home and have another nap. One of the tips on this piece was to not binge on junk food, but I mean, there is nothing I want less than a salad if I'm hungover. I need oh, to yeah. like, hit those carbs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. McDonald's all the way. Well, speaking of food, we wrote a piece recently about the best places for Middle Eastern food in London. I obviously am an advocate for this, but I feel like whether it's Israeli or Lebanese, there's a real trend for Middle Eastern food in this country at the moment. Is everybody as converted as I am? I love Middle Eastern food. I think as soon as like Otolenga opened, everyone just went absolutely mad for it. And now there's so many amazing places. My fave is Berber and Q. They do this cauliflower shawarma and it's like the kind of dish you imagine if you had like the perfect dinner party and just like presenting it and everyone mm. going, wow, look at that. Is that the one with a big knife in it? I don't know if it comes with a big knife in it, but it's like just covered in like gorgeous herbs mm. and pomegranate. Oh, it's amazing. Oh God, so good. Sprinkle some pomegranate on anything. Into yeah. The yeah. Mm. Things like mint it's and great. pomegranate that you just like chuck on things. My mum made a salmon the other day that she like smothered it in hummus and tahini and pomegranate and mint and walnuts. It was unreal. That's it was an good. interesting combo. I know. It was interesting, but it did taste really nice. Pascal, you a fan of Middle Eastern food? Yeah, I do like Middle Eastern food I'm quite new to it to be honest like I've got quite a vanilla palate and I normally just eat a lot of Italian food so this was very new to me I went to Serona recently oh Oh my god it was so good I feel like all of this kind of food has really influenced the way we're cooking as well we're just talking about all the ingredients we use things like za'atar and those kind of ingredients that never otherwise would have been on the agenda in the past I just feel like it's made vegetables so much more interesting as well oh yeah I think that's true when I was growing up vegetables meant broccoli and beans and peas and now there's just like so many more ways to make it interesting and I feel like that's from this food movement totally especially in the summer like having a barbecue is just totally different now yes. it's not just like sausages steaks burgers yeah. all gross stuff I do have these visions of like feeding my kids like aubergine with yogurt and tahini and stuff but maybe that won't happen <laughs> <laughs> just feel like vegetables like I hated vegetables growing up because they were just so rank my mum would just like steam green beans yeah, steam oh, them steam green vegetables oh I love green bean oh mm-hmm. no not like that bean. I just feel like this kind of food has made vegetables much more exciting also I feel like kebabs always used to be very much like a dirty kebab 
after a night out. And now I feel like they're just doing them really well. Okay mm. And I don't feel ashamed anymore. Brazy, what about you? Into this kind of food? Yes, I had some of the best hummus in my life recently at a little place called Le Comptoir, not to be confused with the chain. I'm told in Kensal Rise. What made the hummus so good? Don't know. Nothing upsets me more. <laughs> Pomegranate. That um, like English hummus is good. Like oh someone in the god. office the other day said that it was something like, oh my god, M&S has the best falafel, and I wanted to shoot myself. Like it's just not good. <laughs> so I'm really pleased that this food that people are discovering. Good hummus. Mm. Good falafel. Yeah. Well, on this list were places like Balabaya, which I love the Palomar Delamina is amazing you got and a celeb spot in Delamina the other day Charlotte. I did I, no me oh. <laughs> I was a celeb duh oh. my sister-in-law was like I'm in Delamina and one of the girls from Sherlock's is in there <laughs> <laughs> and Barbary as well which you do have to queue at but it's so worth it it's Let's talk about dating. We've all called time on dates that didn't have that elusive spark. After all, it's the least we're told to expect in the early stages of romance. But by writing off potential partners for this reason, are we unknowingly throwing away potentially great relationships? Astrid, I'm going to come to you first. Is feeling the spark on a first date really that important? I think it is. I think if you're sat there on a first date, not that I've been on a first date for quite some time, but if you're sat there just not really feeling anything, why would you go on for a second one? What do you think the spark actually means? Do you think it means being physically attracted to somebody or do you think it means good chat? A bit of both. But like, if you've just got good chat, then you may as well just be friends, like friend zone it immediately. Oh, you think? That yeah. soon? Rosie? I do think that attraction can build up over time. But I think, you know, if you're going on a date with someone and it is a date, if you don't feel that and they do, there could be a bit of an awkward situation. I think if you met someone in a friendship group or in another situation and you really got on, but you have a spark, you could continue the friendship and something would build over time. But if you meet on an app and you don't have a spark, can you really see them again mm. and keep doing it in the hope that you'll feel something? It might be a bit awkward. Do you think that one date is too soon to give up though, Pascal? I do. And here's a little story for you. <laughs> when I first started going out with my boyfriend, we went on our first date to Nando's. But the day before I was meeting him, I got drunk and dived into a swimming pool and I swam straight into a wall. And I cut my whole face and it was like a really big scab. So we went out for this date to Nando's and it was just fucking awful. Like I couldn't concentrate because I had this like big cut on my face. I don't think he could get over the cut either. And there was like, <laughs> but like 10 times worse and gross. Why didn't you just like postpone? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a mild concussion? I mean, you probably your swimming pool obsession as well. Is this where it stemmed and from? And so where, where was the swimming pool? You went to Nando's for the first day. Like, I'm really confused. <laughs> you got the levels of luxury. <laughs> yeah. It's not adding up. <laughs> I went to a party. I didn't know the person whose party it was, but they had an outdoor pool. So that's not my life. I don't feel like we had the spark. I mean, it could have just been the circumstances, but we went on the second date after that and it was fine. Did the spark come on the second date? Well, yeah, I, I think it was more. He probably did feel the spark. You were just so paranoid because you had like, <laughs> Harry Potter Trying to put makeup on it. Like, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> okay, so you think it can come. How many dates? 
it's Ash just thinks that one that's enough <laughs> <laughs> and you're out yeah I feel like you need to give it at least two yeah I'd say like at two least or three two or three yeah but do you think you should feel the spark when you kiss someone what if you kiss yes, someone yes. you went into them yeah no 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 then you call time immediately yeah. you've got to have some kind of physical chemistry it is interesting why we have kind of sparks with people instantly and not others you know when you just meet someone mm. and you're like I have to go on a date with you and other people you'd be on two dates be like I don't know mm. I feel like you can spark with people not in a romantic way so as you said before you can kind of meet somebody and really spark with them but they could be a girl and you spark really well because you know you're kind of friendship compatible so I think there needs to obviously be that physical element but I think that can come later and I think it needs to be on day one this girl I know she's been with her girlfriend for like five or six years but she had never been with a girl before she'd always just been intimate but she was like I'm not a lesbian but I just really sparked with yeah, this I know girl people, yeah. people say yeah. that yeah. but there is one thing you should know if you do feel a spark but you can't actually write a list of why you like that person there's a lot of psychological theories that apparently if you are like, oh my God, I'm feeling a crazy, uncontrollable attraction to this person, we have a spark and everyone's like, but why? You're like, I don't know. Apparently it's because you're projecting everything that you don't have in yourself onto someone else. So those times when you're like really into somebody, but you know that they're not right for yeah. you, it's because you're yeah, projecting you're, things you're lacking in you're onto them. You're projecting your repressed self onto someone else. But sometimes you can be really into somebody and you can be like, oh, well, this is going nowhere. Like they're not right for me. They don't take any of the boxes, but yeah. like physically I'm really into them. Well, that's probably to do with like a mix of everything. Okay. Well, we spoke to psychologist Rachel Hard for this piece and she said that attraction and lust are important in both the initial stages and latter stages of a relationship, but figuring out your compatibility and building a connection, stability and commitment are important too. Well, so I think we should all give people a bit more of a chance. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From conventional relationships to something a little bit different, Pascal, you chatted to a cam girl. She worked for a service called Off The Record, which is working hard to dispel the myths about cam work. What is cam work? I think basically it's just you can fulfil a certain need that the people who pay to watch you, it doesn't necessarily have to be sex. So what kind of thing is involved? It's a lot of companionship, I think. I think a lot of people come to these girls because they feel lonely and they fulfil that need for certain men. So you chatted to one of these girls. What was your biggest takeaway from this piece? I'm a big fan of, like, trying to dispel myths around sex work and, you know, making it not so much of a stigma. 
And I feel like she did a good job with that. Like, she's her own boss. She, like, starts her day and ends her day when she wants to. She starts her day at 5am and she's finished <laughs> by 10. Why wouldn't you just do 7 till 2? No, she finishes at 10. Why wouldn't you just do 2.30 Yeah, and then she's got the rest, like, the yeah, whole day to do But, like, why would you get up at 5? Why wouldn't you just do 7 till 2? She doesn't have a commute. She literally just, like, gets up. Gets, gets up. Yeah, but it's still early. Like, if you're planning on it, I'd rather be finished at it's 12, not 2. 12. It's because men want to do it before they go to work. Uh, so she's got yeah. a cat. So is this something that you would do? Would anyone here be compelled to try being a cam girl? Astrid? I'm going to say no. <laughs> do you think it is the same level as prostitution? Is it something a bit safer? I think it's a lot safer. I think it's, it's a, a lot safer. different to prostitution, mm-hmm. I think. I think the term, like Pascal said, people kind of look down their nose at the term sex worker, but there's so many different types of mm-hmm. sex worker. And well, it's probably been going on for a long time, but now it's kind of out in the open. Mm-hmm. But yeah, personally, I, I don't think I would be doing it. I have to say, I feel like of all the ty- kinds of sex work that are out there, this is the one I'd be most likely to do. Like, if I was told, like, there's no risk that anyone you know would see anything or would find this, I feel like it's quite an easy way to earn some money, you know? So I have friends that did this oh. at university. I think the thing is now, if you want to make a living from it, you have to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people's business, because there's so many cam girls now. And to kind of differentiate yourself, to get repeat customers, you have to promote yourself on social media. So okay. I think that if you're going to put yourself out there, it's going to be out there. You have to run it like a business. You have to run mm. it like a business to, to make money off it. But the money they can make is absolutely crazy. One of my friends knew a girl that did it full time and she made 70 grand in one month. <gasps> Sorry, oh what? Yeah. Well, so do you have to pay a certain amount to get into the, a chat room or something? So I guess if you work for a site like this, so there's lots of different sites and I think a lot of them are on multiple ones. So there's free sites that you could just go on the internet now. There's a girl doing whatever people will send tips and then they pay more to go in a private chat room but yeah this girl said she once made like 300 quid in 20 minutes fully clothed just sitting there just chatting to people some (laughs) guys i mean a lot of it is sexual you know Mm -hmm. sex toys kind of fulfilling people's fantasies in that way but she said a lot of her time was just guys that were lonely wanted a chat wanted Mm. someone to flirt with them and Mm. they were happy to kind of pay for yeah. that kind of girlfriend experience, like chatting to your long-distance girlfriend on webcam. Okay, and what does she say were the downsides of doing this? She said her family and friends don't actually know about it. But I think that's a lot of, because of the stigma, if that could be, you know, removed, then you could maybe tell your parents what you do and stuff like that. And I think that comes down to, like, an element of safety as well. Like, I just think if, like, she could tell her parents and her friends and something happened to her, like, they'd be able to help. And that must be quite lonely as well, like, no one knowing what you do and you can't talk about your job proudly. Because she obviously likes what she does. I feel like there shouldn't be a stigma on it. Well, if you want to know what it's really like being a cam girl, then... I highly recommend Pascal's interview. I know this is something that I have certainly fallen prey to in the past. Can fashion stores please decide on the clothing once and for all? We wrote a piece about how measurements can vary from brand to brand, leaving many women feeling confused and often quite self-conscious. Don't say I'm the only one in here who is subject to this. I have such a gripe with so many things. Not just the sizing, but the way that clothes are presented online. I'm sorry, but when a brand is like, model is wearing size 10. No, they're fucking not. Mm. No, they're not. And also, they pin the clothes. So even though mm-hmm. they put the model mm. in the smaller size, 
they'll pin it. So like they're obviously not gonna cut and tailor a top or a blazer mm -hmm. perfectly to this model. Yes. So they'll put a six on the model and then they'll pin it so it looks like it fits mm -hmm. them and it's like more expensive tailored item. But then when you're trying to buy something, you're like, well, if that model's wearing a size six and it tight on them in that place, it's gonna look like this on me, then it arrives and it's just completely shapeless. Yes, like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's so true. One high street brand that has taken a bit more responsibility for this is H&M. So H&M have gone up a size. Yeah, I, I always go up a size because I think when you're buying high street and like slightly cheaper fabrics it looks way better so i ordered a 10 top from h&m the other day came actually turned so if i'm normally an eight actually turned out that i was wearing a 12 so it's it didn't cute. work out that well for me but it's at least it says that they are taking a bit more responsibility but sizing up like that's not helpful either this gripe isn't just about brands sizing down on things like it's about the fact that you could be an eight in one store and a 14 in another and so it says all very well that h&m are sizing up but if you don't otherwise know that then but i think they were sizing up to coincide with like national averages mm. and stuff so I why think because it, they were okay because they were making the yeah too and small so many other stores are making clothes that are way too small mm -hmm. and maybe that is a reason as to why there's so many women with you know body hang-ups mm -hmm. eating disorders those kind of things so i think h&m are doing it mm. correctly i really disagree in the sense i think it's great that their clothes are catering to more people but i think they should have just expanded their size range i guess in the sense if they're making a top that's going to be the same as a top shop size eight but i think that now they're maybe bigger than top shop the clothes yeah. which is frustrating because I mean if you are petite as well and you used to fit in an H&M size mm. 6 and now you can't obviously there's a huge issue with most shops mm. not catering to anyone over a size 14 really but why not just expand their size range why yeah. do you have to make the sizes that exist now bigger why not just make more sizes I completely agree with you in terms of you know sizing up as well and like catering for more body shapes but that doesn't just mean catering for you know whatever size 16 plus it also could mean that at the smaller end they're not catering for enough body shapes either I find it impossible possible to buy trousers on the high street because I'm not a 10 and I'm not a 12 like different parts of my body fit different sizes and no one is catering for that there's just this is the shape of trousers this is how they look on the models and then you have to kind of conform to that or you don't and you can't buy trousers and I find it completely impossible and I'm exposed to a lot of products like you know I know what's out there and it's still so hard because sizes are just so one size fits all mm, I think it's because a lot of them are made on fit models mm -hmm. and it doesn't take into account that most women's body shapes yes. change as they were go off a size you're not just going to go up in exactly the same proportion so as true. you would a tiny size 4 fit model exactly or even if you were going up from a size 10 to a 12 it doesn't mean that every bit of your body is expanding same in the same space or, yeah and I think a lot of um, reasons the high street doesn't cater to more plus sizes is because you have to go to a separate design kind of school and course to design for plus size because again it, everything on the high street it's just about adding two inches everywhere yes and that's not how people's bodies are so true so like if even if they expanded the size range they would have to be redesigned to actually look nice on people yeah. and i do think really on the high street anything over a size eight or ten it doesn't fit people properly because again it's just been sized up I but that's agree. why it's so cheap and that is why it's fast fashion yeah because it's just done in the cheapest way possible yeah and it's never going to fit and look amazing i understand it's hard i think that's why places like asos offering that you only pay for the things that you keep is good and i wish more brands did that so mm -hmm. you could just order try it on yes. at home see what actually works for you yeah. and then not have to pay for it so true. I find it hard being taller as well. Like I can never buy jeans anywhere apart from Topshop, but I don't feel particularly good when I go into Topshop because I feel like all their sizes are tiny, like around the waist. Like I don't feel like I'm a size 16, but sometimes I'll put a pair of jeans on and I have to put a size 16 on. Mm. And like I know that I'm not 
that size and there's nothing wrong with being a size 16 it's just I'm not a size 16 and how does that make actual size 16s feel when they can't fit into the clothes that they should be able to fit into and given that the high street don't make sizes much larger than a 16 on the whole then what are they gonna wear yeah exactly I think that we need to stop attaching quite so much self-worth to the sizes of clothes because I think we all know that we can fit in you know some shops who are a 16 and other shops who are a 12 or whatever and it's not consistent and that's a failing of the high street but it's not a failing of us yeah I think that's the thing a lot of shops do do vanity sizing now because they found that people buy more and I think that says a lot more about our society than it does the shops themselves well good to know that H&M is making a bit of an effort and you've got to get yourself down to those dreaded stores and try on a few different sizes let's talk about silver it's a bit of a trend at the moment there's lame there's sequins it's everywhere anyone here tempted to pull off the metallic trend I love a bit of metallic my silver boots are like surgically yeah. attached to my feet and I love the fact that people don't care if it's like not Christmas anymore yeah. you know like you can wear sequins and lame and whatever you want yeah. like all year round it just makes anything look a bit cooler doesn't it I feel like now my hair's a bit darker I've been sitting here the whole time thinking your hair's a different colour yeah got a slightly darker tone on it I so like it bleach blonde I am a natural magpie around Christmas time I can't be trusted by myself <laughs> in the shops because <laughs> I will just buy anything shiny or sequined but I feel like I'm a very big fan of this trend I think there was a silver cami in your roundup in this piece that I have been eyeing up but yeah now I have slightly darker hair I feel like I can wear flashier yes. clothes without going down the uh, towie route <laughs> <laughs> well I think that what's so lovely is that it's a look that really works for day and night as well so we did our event at London Fashion Week Festival last week and Lisa Potter Dixon came along and spoke and she was wearing flashy silver trousers with some Nike trainers and a navy cashmere jumper and it just looked so cool and she didn't at all look like she was dressed up for the evening it just looked like she had really good style but it was quite a kind of simple outfit formula so I think any bit of metallics you can throw in it scares me a little bit metallics if I'm honest mm. I feel like I wouldn't know how to dress it but I'm not a very fashionable person so I think I'd need some help I don't think I could ever wear a pair of like metallic trousers I think you could I think you could you definitely could you could wear like that outfit maybe I'll try it yeah it seems <laughs> the key to it is keeping the rest of it like kind of chilled and yeah. hair back because otherwise Definitely. I mean I love that galley dress as well the, yes the kind of checkered yes. puff sleeve metallic that is amazing of course you love that I know yeah. anything <laughs> well there is a lot of fun silver out there so if you're feeling brave enough then check out our piece Pascal, there's one topic that I've been particularly excited to talk about with you this <laughs> yeah. week. You wrote a piece called Could You Live Like Mark Wahlberg? This came after Mark Wahlberg's insane everyday routine hit the press last week. Mm -hmm. And you thought you'd give it a go. Yeah, and I feel like I still haven't recovered from it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so talk us through, first of all, a bit what his day looks like, and second of all, how you found doing these various things. Well, he gets up at half two every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the morning was quite chock-a-block, actually. It was like half an hour praying and then eat breakfast for half an hour and then do a workout. He also has a shower for 90 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> like his, his timing is off. Like, there's no need to get up at half two because you could just have like a five-minute shower. Pray in the shower or something. <laughs> okay, so you tried the routine. Yeah. So you woke up at half two. Yes, I did. Okay. Was your boyfriend um, not? Just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, he wasn't very happy. What time did you go to bed the night before? Just normal time. Like, I, I can't wait like my three hours sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I got up and, like, I'm not religious, so it was very hard <laughs> to do the first bit. So Who did you pray to? <laughs> well, I just sat there and thought Mark. about some things for a while. 
And then I'll be honest, I went back to bed for a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so what does he eat for breakfast? Does he specify that in his routine? No, and this is the thing. He eats so many snacks. And I was like, I don't know what to eat is the snacks. Do I go healthy or can I just, like, eat some crisps? Like, okay. He probably I, doesn't have crisps. Did you, like, <laughs> take your kind of inner Mark Wahlberg and choose your snacks and food yeah, like, like you would? Like... Or did you just eat, like, <laughs> random stuff that was in the fridge? Well, I tried to think about it to start with, but, like, it was hard because there's so many snacks. I ate some bran flakes to start with and I feel like that would be quite Mark Wahlberg. I saw here you had some cheese dipped in sour cream. No. Oh no, that's my normal. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, that sounds quite Mark. But it when looks you like said that, I was protein. That was the, that was my one biggest takeaway from this piece. Like, I'm going to do that. That sounds great. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. it's so good. Delicious. <laughs> okay, so you woke up at two thirty, and then. First thing is praying, then what? Then you had your long shower? No, no, no. then I ate breakfast for half an hour. <laughs> How did you drag it out? I mean, it was quite horrible because brown face gets very soggy. <laughs> it didn't take me half an hour. Okay. It was just a lot of sitting around. And then, like, to be honest, it's like quarter to four in the morning and I'm trying to do some exercise. And there's no room in my flat because my flat's, like, tiny. And, like, I didn't want to wake my boyfriend up. And also, I didn't want to get changed into my gym gear. So I'm trying to, like, just do some squats in my pyjamas. So side of pyjamas. <laughs> exercise. Great. I, like, have my headphones in. I had, like, a YouTube video up of, like, exercises. But we had, like, our spare bed out on the floor in the sitting room. So, literally, the room that I had was, like, smaller than this table. So I was just stood there, kind of, <laughs> just doing some squats. And then I gave up. Right, <laughs> he gets two workouts in before nine a.m. He goes golfing as well. Yes, yeah, so yeah but the, golf. I think that's more of a hobby than a workout, though. Yeah, I don't think it's like <laughs> half an hour. Can golf. you tell <laughs> how little exercise <laughs> I do? Oh, like, go. Worked of a sweat. <laughs> like it was so stupid though because he spends an hour and a half in the shower and then half an hour playing golf, and it's like surely you can't even make it to the first like hole in half an hour. <laughs> he's, he's like electric, like electronic. We golf. go. Like, yeah. A like goal. a wee goal. Yeah. I just quite like to go back to the 90 minute shower if we can. Yes. How did you feel that time? I sat down. <laughs> <laughs> On the floor. Yeah, in the shower. I don't think I did stay in there for 90 minutes because I don't really like showers that much. So Especially not for 90 minutes and like so it's hot. hot. And I felt like all my skin was like going to peel off. Like <laughs> it was hot. <laughs> I'm not shower. sure he's in the shower for 90 minutes. Maybe it's like, it's like showering, raging, mm -hmm. yeah. all that shit, shower shave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, with all those snacks he's eating, <laughs> I'm sure surprised. they're quite as well. Okay, so then you try to play golf. Yep, but yep. I just played a golf game. But I'm not very good at PlayStation games anyway, so getting things started was really hard. <laughs> I could barely work out how to, like, you know, put off and whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> <Put> off. <laughs> I think tee off. Tee off. Phrase, What's yes. the putt bit then? Putting. It's just putting. to putt. It's a verb oh, to, to putt. <laughs> so I did that. All of it felt quite like a failure up until this point. Right. And then what did I do after cryo. that? Oh, I went to the cryo chamber. Okay, so talk to me about that. What does that mean? London cryo in London. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what is a cryo chamber? It's like this thing that you stand in. You have to like take all your clothes off, apart from, well, you can leave your pants on, which I did. 
and then you put like a really thick pair of socks on and a pair of gloves <laughs> and then you like get into the chamber but before I got into the chamber like the woman was explaining to me like how it works and she's like your body is going to go into fight or flight mode and I was like Jesus Christ like so, so is it really hot? no it's, no, it's really cold, cold. Yeah. I think it, oh right I know what it is okay yeah I think it goes down to like minus 135 oh or something God. like that like the proper cold is, what does it do for you it like tightens your muscles or something it makes your body so cold that the blood kind of like rushes out and then rushes back in it's really oxidized so it's like really good for repairing like if you've got like a sports injury right. like I'm sure Mark does um, <laughs> the professional footballers do it all the time yeah right. yeah so I got in and it's like full of ice inside like it's all frosty I stood with my hands like next to my chest and she's like just put your arms up and I was like oh, okay she's like spin around <laughs> so I'm just like spinning around in this chamber like naked and she's like, so it's normally three minutes. Like you go in for three minutes, but because I was new, she was like, I'll just put you in for two minutes. I was like, okay. And then I could see her putting the time up. And afterwards she was like, you don't know this, but I actually left you in there for two and a half minutes. I was like, yes, I know. Like, it felt it was like counting. two and a half minutes. <laughs> was it really cold? It was really cold. Did your head go in or is it like a change? Was it really cold? <laughs> But like, I feel like that, if it's that cold, yeah, you might feel like, cold. you know, when like dry ice burns you, yeah, like, felt like that. Yeah. Cold. Your head isn't in it, but. You'd probably die if your head <laughs> yeah, in yeah. Like, you're spin free. Ooh, gross. Like all the feeling goes out of your legs and your legs go like pins and needles and like, Ooh. it was very strange. She's like, how are you feeling? I was like, not very good. <laughs> <laughs> and did you feel better subsequently? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It was just nice not to be cold anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think. So what does Mark do between his 9am cryo and his 3pm pickup? Well, he does work where he like, you know, takes meetings and phone calls and all this kind of stuff. Then he has lunch, then he works again. But as I'm not actually Mark Wahlberg, I did just have to work. <laughs> so I was like eating a lot of snacks, doing a lot of work. You're so tired. <laughs> I was really tired, but you know when you just get a bit delirious and you're like, everything's fine. So then you went to pick up the kids except you didn't? No, because I don't have any no. children. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went to bed at 7.30. Yeah, but I don't know how he can muster up the enthusiasm to pick Live. up his kids yeah. and, like, enjoy their company because kids are notoriously crazy. <laughs> like, how can you then just be like, oh, I'm going to have a great time with my kids? And then he does another workout, so I went and did a workout. <laughs> I just wanted to cry. It was just it was too much. I do wonder how he musters up the enthusiasm for any of this routine. But what time does kids go to bed? Like, who? Must Probably at the same time. Time is here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just it's probably comes on and tucks them all in. <laughs> Did you manage to fall asleep at 7.30? No, I just sat there for a while. Oh, you must have been quite <laughs> tired, though. I was tired, but I was just more angry tired. Like, I couldn't fall asleep. I was just getting really angry at everything. Like, <laughs> you angry at Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because our flat's so small, I could just hear everything my boyfriend's doing. And I was just like, oh, I want to go out and watch TV. So I, I did go out and watch TV. And then I went to bed at normal time. And I think that's probably why I still feel bad a week later. <laughs> so Mark Wahlberg's routine isn't the only routine you've done, is it? No, I've done a few routines. <laughs> I read your uh, Putin routine, which was so good and so strange. <laughs> I mean, he's weirder almost than Mark Wahlberg. Oh, yeah, he's definitely weirder. But he does a lot of stuff without his shirt on. And I couldn't do it. <laughs> of that because it wasn't really authentic yeah it. and I went horse riding when I was Putin and I don't like horses <laughs> who did you prefer being Mark Wahlberg Putin <laughs> oh my god it's like Sophie's choice <laughs> 
probably Mark Wahlberg because Putin's a dick, isn't he? <laughs> you had to eat a lot of meat when you were Putin, right? Yeah, and drink a lot of vodka. All right. And also I went swimming in a lake and that was pretty horrible. Who else have you pretended to be in the past? I think that might be it, actually. I think that's the only two that I've done so far. And did you have any positive takeaways from being Mark Wahlberg for the day? No, like literally none. He needs to get better at time management because a lot of those things could just be condensed into a normal day. Like, I still don't even understand why he's getting up at 2.30 and he could just get up at, like, 6 yeah, it's and true. go to bed at 10. Even, like, 5 wouldn't be that offensive, but 2.30 is, like, not normal. Yeah. yeah. I really hope the Pascal doing Mark Wahlberg routine goes viral like Mark Wahlberg's routine <laughs> yeah, viral. Yeah, me too. And I hope really, Mark Wahlberg really sees it and realises. I think this should be a series. If you know anyone else with a weird routine, please send it into Pascal. I will do it. Make her live it. <laughs> I cannot wait for that. I think that's all we've got time for today. If you enjoyed that, please do rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.